Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs. We have our small business owners. We have our local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week for our episodes are all of the above, please take a moment, explore everything we have to offer on our website, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on networks like iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated. Helps us help more serve more business creators just like you. And be sure to subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. Fresh content every week, including over 200 episodes on a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators today. Now, I have to admit, in my own personal journey, I've experienced this thing called burnout. Uh, back when I was in college, uh, for five years, I had a part-time job working in fast food. And uh, it was a good enough job. It was a good summer job, holiday job, that type of thing. But, you know, after about the fourth or fifth year, I felt like I was going through the motions. Yeah, I knew I was graduating from college. I'd be moving on to a professional job. But, uh, you know, that last year or so, I really felt like I was phoning it in. It's like it, I couldn't tell whether it run its course or maybe things had just changed, and I felt myself maybe things had kind of moved on without me. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I also know what it's like to have short-timers disease uh, when you're working for a company getting ready to strike out on your own. In fact, uh, my short-timers disease, I have to confess, lasts for about six months, not because entirely because I was getting ready to leave the company and, uh, and go on my own with a full-time entrepreneurial venture, but because of specific things that happened at that company. As business creators, one of the things we need to be very concerned about is burnout in our teams and in ourselves. So we are going to have a very special interview today where we're going to bring on Peter Atherton, my friend Peter Atherton, who is the president and founder of Actions Prove LLC. Just to tell you a little bit about a little bit about Pete, he works with businesses and leaders to create greater growth and profits through effective employee engagement, retention, and impact. Uh, his new book is on its way out. It's called Reversing Burnout: How to Immediately Engage Top Talent and Grow: A Blueprint for Professionals and Business Owners. And we're going to tell you more about that at the uh, bottom of the hour. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about Actions Prove, which is Peter's company. They serve nationwide from bases in Portland, Maine, and Knoxville, Tennessee. Prior to founding Actions Prove, Pete was an accomplished professional engineer, executive, and major firm owner. Peter also leads and serves in multiple capacities in the nonprofit sector, achieving both local and global impact. So as you can imagine, I'm very excited. Peter Atherton, come in. The weather's fine. Welcome aboard. Well, good. Well, how are you? Uh, good day, and it's so great to be here with you. And the feeling is mutual, absolutely. So uh, before we dive in, and we have a lot we're going to try and talk about today, uh, I just want to um, do what I normally do when we bring our guests on. You just heard me read off your bio, and I let people know about your company and the things you do on a day-to-day -day basis. I mentioned the new Reversing Burnout book. 
But what we like to do as our listeners are getting to know you and find out who you are is just take one step back and have us tell us a little bit more about your personal journey and what's brought you to where you are today at the intersection of your brilliance and passion serving business creators to help them reverse burnout. Okay, well, where where I am today is really the result of a multi-year process that began probably about right. eight years ago when uh, with a feeling of discontent and really just in, in, uh, the, the awakening of myself to burnout. About six years ago, I decided that I would be doing something different in terms of a career change. And at that point, right. I was a senior vice president. Uh, one of the major owners in an engineering firm, and on many different levels, things were going great. You know, I got I got paid well. I still like certain aspects of my job, but I was I was drawn to uh, wanting to make a bigger impact, investing in something with just more meaning and purpose. Um, and I was I was physically and emotionally and mentally burnt out at that time. And you know, through the long process I went through, you know, I realized, you know, there were certain values to what I was doing in the past. I mean, I love the engineering aspects of what the, I'll call the first half of my career involved. I, I love problem solving. I love systems design. Over the years, I really grew to love people. Um, and at the same time, you know, I was just, I felt a strong passion towards, you know, so many smart, talented, motivated people, whether they would be business owners or physicians or attorneys or other engineers or people in the financial services that were struggling and just being buried by burnout, the disengagement, pivoting away from careers uh, into something new just because of the burnout. And at the same time, in my, I just had this passion for these organizations led by well-meaning people who you know, were burnt out themselves and in the marketplace looking to really differentiate themselves. They, and, but, but it was hard and they were struggling to matter and stay relevant uh, with their top talent, stay relevant in the marketplace. And so I really, I felt drawn to that problem to solve that problem so that both people and business can thrive. You know, that's fantastic. And, you know, I think that a lot of folks, especially within our business creators community, have been through this at least a couple of times. I've heard stories from folks who actually started entrepreneurial ventures because they were burned out in their careers. And then after a couple of years as an entrepreneur, found themselves feeling that burnout again. Uh, so it turns out that at least in part, what drove them into entrepreneurship was in fact burnout, at least as much as a proactive desire to move into the business they were moving into. So this comes at us in a number of different ways. And I think in order to begin to understand that, we want to set the stage and uh, just you know, talk about this from an evolutionary perspective. How have the demands of work and life today, how are they different than they were 10 or 20 years ago? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's busy. We are, we're just stuck in busyness. And that's a lot different. It's different devices we have. It's the, the, the prevalence of the Internet. But the re reality is that for the majority of us, we're just always connected. We're always on. We really haven't set up, established, or enforced any type of barriers or boundaries. We have you no know, escape from email, text, social media. We always have something to do, somewhere to be. 
And because of the fact that we're connected all the time, there's always something we feel we're missing out on. I mean, in some cases we truly are missing out on, but then we see, you know, everybody's highlight reel and we're saying we're really missing out. And so not only are we just so busy, but we're feeling like at the same time we're empty and we're missing things. So that's really kind of first and that, that seems that that's one of the biggest complaints, you know, at work, you know, how things are different is there's just this um, feeling of prolonged work overload. So many people in so many organizations have been doing quote unquote more with less for so long that we don't even know what doing the right amount of work with the right level of staff even means anymore. And right. so, you know, as a result, you know, most people are, you know, disengaging. It's, it's, it's a response to the overload. And in fact, the most recent um, Gallup report on the American workplace reported that two thirds so 67% of American workers are disengaged on the job. And part of that has to do with work overload, but part of that more and more has to do with just a lack of meaning and purpose at work. And, you know, people today, particularly top talent, are looking for more than a paycheck. And not only because they're being asked to produce more than a paycheck, um, it's just there's really a, a desire to be part of something big and to be part of a team, to be part of belonging. So really what's different today is there's just much higher levels of work frustration, higher levels with personal frustration. And some of this frustration is really turning to, into resentment to the point where people just pivot away. Yeah. And, you know, even 10 years ago which, or 12 years ago, which is the last time I held a quote-unquote job that trend was already very much in play where it seemed kind of gradual at the time but when you look at it you see that it was more like an avalanche of doing more with less and doing more with less and it seemed that uh position you know job positions um as people attritioned out or were terminated or promoted or what have you you saw more and more positions just simply weren't getting filled uh and their responsibilities were either absorbed by other employees or they renamed the position and moved it over on the org chart a little bit and made it something completely different. It doesn't mean the work still didn't need to be done. It just seemed like there was less people available to do the work. Uh, and, you know, with everything that we're seeing with uh, the balance that we're trying to strike between automation and technology versus the human factor, uh, it's very difficult to walk that line, in my opinion. Now, right. in the, lo the long term... Point, Oh, I, I was going to say the long-term manifest, manifestation of those, you know, efforts to coordinate with the management and work with, a you know, positions that were, you know, uh, moved away and not fully replaced, that, that long-term problem is really starting to manifest itself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you – now, going to the opposite end here, you have argued in some ways that it actually makes perfect sense today for someone at the peak of their career – to just walk away from an executive position in large sums of really, really pretty much guaranteed money. Like right there, they're at the peak. They're at the summit of what they are accomplishing. And you're saying that uh, sometimes it's a good idea to just walk away. Can you explain that one? Well, there's, there's several different factors at play here. And it's really not the case for everybody. I mean, a lot of people – 
might want to do that, but who really pulls the trigger and does that is a different set of scenarios. But for people who right. are have been financially successful, have sort of been able to achieve the, the, the quote-unquote traditional success, or they've been business owners or high-achieving professionals or whatever their craft has been, they've been able to succeed and, and have some sort of financial success. One of the main traps is now the, the money trap is, is sort of been neutralized. And, you know, the fact is at that point, you know, if there has been some degree of, of traditional success achieved, you know, the whole truth that, you know, money never really truly satisfied satisfies becomes very relevant and at best traditional success is a milestone so that that's a that's a major issue for people who even if they have the golden handcuffs if they're in that second half of their career they're in the make a difference phase or really wanting to leave a legacy and the frustrations are that high they don't want to risk a, a health incident they don't want to risk even being more you know, disengaged and, and having that impact on their personal life, they're just going to walk. Now, in a general sense, you know, most people, as they transition from the first half into the second half of life, I mean, they, they will reach, and, and so some people it's early, but they will reach a fork in the road and just start asking some of the bigger questions in life. You know, does what I do matter? Am I having impact? Um, you know, what's my purpose? And at that point, they just need to decide. Am I going to stay the course? And again, they're in, possibly in a career, in a in a profession, in running a business, and it's all in, right? I mean, that that's what it takes to be a business creator. That's what it takes to be a professional. I mean, this isn't necessarily part-time work. This is if you're going to slice someone open as a physician, if you're going to win a case for somebody, if you're <laughs> going to design a bridge that won't fall down. I mean, you're all in. You need to do it right. Um, yeah. So but you're at that fork in the road, and – you got to decide, am I going to stay the course? Am I going to try to refresh in place or am I going to pivot away? And again, depending on where people are in their work season or in their life season, it could be one or the other. And, you know, for me and for a growing number of people, you know, uh, the pursuit of money, as I mentioned, it evolves into a desire for more meaning and purpose. And if you're, if all things being neutral, if people need to choose between more money or more meaning and purpose, they're going to choose more meaning and purpose if they have that ability. So, um, again, some of that is when frustrations are running high at work. And, you know, even if someone is a physician and is that loss of efficacy, like, does it really matter anymore what I'm doing? Because I'm so run down, I'm so burnt out, that outdated management systems or outdated incentive systems. We have such a bottom line focus. There's leadership doublespeak. I mean, all that is the work frustrations. And then if at the same time at home, I'm missing out, I, I'm not going to that recital anymore. I, I, I can't meet, go to my son's basketball game. I can't do this for my daughter. And my wife and I, we haven't had date night in years. All those frustrations just run high. And if there's really no meaning and purpose being delivered, that's when top talent is just pivoting away. In some sense, they might, um, some scenario, uh, scenarios, they might go to a competitor who's just offering more. They're, they've sort of, you know, decided they're going to win the war on talent and they're going to offer a little bit more balance. Um, and that war is heating up in so many different industries. Or, you know, it's 
I'm going to retire early. I'm going to have an encore career. I'm going to go part-time. I'm going to develop a side hustle because in a few years, I'm going to pivot into something different. And the fast-growing freelance gig economy, you know, that at one point, that might have been a road less traveled. And maybe to some degree it is right now. But I'll say that road has been widened and it's well lit. Um, and it's very inviting yeah. to top talent who isn't giving a choice to refresh in place. Right. Very true. And, uh, you know, the, that's, that's a big difference. Yeah, I, even 20 years ago when I was coming out of college, uh, 1998, 1999, uh, to an extent, the old story of, uh, you know, study hard, get good grades, get a good job, uh, work the 40 years, get your two promotions, and then take your gold watch and, and uh, die in your shack in Fort Lauderdale. Well, <laughs> Uh, it was it was only about five years later that I recognized that was never happening for two reasons. Number one, I wasn't going to sit in one place that long. And number two, uh, things had just evolved. And today, part of what I see, and I want to get your thoughts on this real quick before we move on to the next question, is I'm noticing that a lot of people who are on the higher end of being successful in their careers tend to view themselves as a business. Uh, not necessarily like a sole proprietor or anything like that, but you know they recognize that they're in some ways a free agent. So they do things like they keep up their LinkedIn profile. They regularly contribute articles to authority websites to show their expertise in their field. They're out there networking, and basically they've created their own uh, career marketing program, and they've created a shift in the balance where – it's as much the companies desiring them and wanting to have them on the team as them wanting to uh, be as them wanting to find the right company where they can work for maybe three to five years. But you see those well-polished LinkedIn profiles, you see those personal business blogs, and that's to me a bit of a shift. And uh, to me, maybe that's kind of a hedge against burnout because you know your options are always open and it's something you can do uh, with very little effort on a day-to-day -day basis. I 100% I, I agree, and in fact, you know, one of the sections in the book, I talk about what, um, what top employees want today. And, you know, in response to the lack of security and loyalty that, they, that we, they, have all felt towards corporations and businesses, you know, geared towards, you know, business is business is the bottom line, the fact that they can have um, a brand and a platform of their own through social media is their only form of security. And so that is, you know, it's not going to be a pension anymore. Uh, it might not even be a long-term job. In fact, it might not even be offered a job. I might just be offered a contract position. And so that, what what the, the new is, what the, what's happened in the last decade or two is now being able to have a polished brand and a polished platform is the source of security. And so there is this phenomenon of co-branding where, you know, top talent will want to co-brand with organizations because it helps them. Um, and right. same thing, um, organizations will realize the benefit of if I can align meaning and purpose and interest and passion with this top talent, we can co-brand together. And it's the, it's the human side of business. That's what marketers want today. You know, don't just tell us what your company does. I mean, tell stories of the people who are doing it. Well, if those people leave in two years, that's a risk. And so some of the, the top leaders and top companies are understanding the value um, and so of co-branding. And so 
um, top talent is figuring out if I can have a better brand image, if I can write articles and build my profile, company's going to want me more. And that's a little bit more security. So the, I think the balance is, is really shifted. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I um, I was involved with one of my clients who recently held a a conference. It was their very first live event that they held, and they got over 100 people in the room. The conference was a big success. And uh, actually giving the people on that client's mailing list, their subscriber community, something to go back and look at um, in terms of highlights was very simple. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because there were a handful of people in the audience who followed the instructions about how to hashtag their tweets about the event. And between those handful of people uh, hashtagging, it created a moment on Twitter. And all we had to do is go back and look at that moment. We got tons of pictures, stories, testimonials, aha moments. Uh, and you saw it was like three or four people. And these were also three or four people who had made themselves very visible and very known to a lot of people at the conference itself. These are the ones that, and in some cases, we're talking about people who are under 30 years old, uh, just by the looks of them and what I was able to gather by Googling them and seeing their educational background and such. I mean, I'm just guesstimating. But they really have a grasp on this whole thing of the co-branding and themselves as their own marketing force as they view their uh, career as a marketing campaign. And I found the whole thing quite fascinating. Yeah, and, and organizations are, are going to, and if they're going to stay relevant and matter to that type of talent, really alignment is going to be a big issue. Uh, understanding, you know, wh where the top talent is and what they want, they're probably going to want to continue to brand themselves because, it's, again, it's going to be their security. Organizations are going to have to figure out um, that we, we need to work together. And that's not going to be to diminish the, 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 the work because top talent wants to excel. I mean, there's no, you know, we just want to do half the job because we want to go surfing. I mean, that's, that's when you get right down to it. I mean, a lot of the top talent, particularly those who really want to have, be small business owners or business owners or executives or professionals. I mean, they, they are all in and trying to, you know, figure out how to master that craft and, and they want to excel at it. I mean, no one, no one who puts that much into their education and the early part of their career wants to not be able to turn a jury. <laughs> they don't want to not be right. able to do a simple surgery. And so the top talent, I mean, there can be people who it is just marketing, but the key is to find the people who really want to excel and align with them if you're the business, um, it, and, and then right. it all works. Exactly. So – what are, as we go along, what are some of the traps and pitfalls that affect executives and professionals as they go through their careers? Well, I mean, one of the, just sort of wearing the different hats. So on a, on a personal level, you know, some of the individual, I mean, some of the traps and pitfalls that, you know, as people, as an individual work through their career and they enter different stages, I mean, there, there is sort of the, the three big traps. I mean, comfort, money, and momentum. And just comfort is you sort of get comfort in what's what's going on and the, the familiarity of driving into the office and the familiarity of people. And, um, you know, change is hard, takes courage. And so in that sense, comfort can be a trap, even if we're exhausted and even if we're we're feeling burned out. I mean, our, just being comfortable in the familiarity, we become more risk adverse. So that that is a trap. Right. And um, the second one, money, I mean, just – 
money's powerful. Money's powerful. It's always a, a powerful draw in its own right. But in sort of the, the, the business owner professional world, I mean, one of the, the issues that we have is we have lifestyle creep. And so we, we earn a little extra money and all of a sudden we spend that money and we get used to that vacation. We get used to that car. We, and so we just, it's the money traps us and, you know, we, have a vacation home, but now we have to furnish that and it's got taxes and it's, you know, all this stuff. And now we have to stay in our position. We have to, you know, be able to grow and expand the business, even if I just want to take a little time out. So that's a trap. And then, you know, the other, you know, issue that comes up with respect to money trap is just listening on the radio or in radio commercials and on TV, just about financial planning. And the ever-evolving right. number that people have to save to and, you know, the ever-evolving cost later on, which is good, prudent financial planning to a point. But the narrative these days is not only should you pay for your kid's college, um, but you should save for your grandkids. Like, really? Like, and not only is it your retirement, but you should leave a legacy gift for your family. That traps people. I mean, you could be at the peak of your career. You could be on – the backside looking to maybe go part-time or have an encore, but then feeling the guilt of now I need to leave an inheritance like versus, you know, I, I, I'm going to provide my kids with the best as I can, but at the same time, I want to make a personal mark in this world. So that, that becomes a trap. Um, the third trap is really it's, it's momentum. And in some case it could be, um, you know, a, a pitfall in the sense of where high achievers and ch achievement can be powerful um, in the sense that it, it it's addictive and it can blind us to some of the costs of achievement. But, um, you know, really momentum, you know, even if we're um, even if we're really busy, it's just it's hard to break the status quo. And, you know, in our in our busyness too, the momentum of our life, I mean, we're a lot a lot of people just lose touch. You know, we lose, you know, connections with key relationships in our lives. We lose, you know, sort of that self-awareness, that social awareness, that emotional intelligence. So we sort of lose that touch, you know, when we just sort of ride our momentum um, and ride our busyness. We lose track. I, I mentioned we've got different seasons, you know, so we have four different work seasons, if you will. I mean, there's the sort of the master of craft season, and it does take 5, 10, 15 years for most small business owners, business creators, professionals to master a craft, to really know how to do something that works. And then we're going to shift into a make a name phase. You know, that's just, it's, it's our accolades. It's our achievement. But then at some point we're going to shift into a make a difference phase and then a leave a legacy phase. And that could be over a 50 year career span from the age of 22 to the age of 72 where people are working these days. Um, but right. you layer on also, um, we have different life seasons. You know, there's the sort of get out of school. It's the me season or the we season if people have a spouse. And But then you can transition into the family season and it could be the whole crazy hold on for dear life because we're so busy season. But then there's that sort of letting go season that transitions into emptiness, pre-grandkids, grandkids. And so all of these different yeah. seasons line up and have different, you know, goals and uh, obligations associated with them, and we lose track of where we are and really what is the most important in that season. And so that that's a trap that people fall into that can lead to, you know, frustration, resentment, and regret. Um, and, you know, the last one is really just clarity. 
you know, what is the, in that momentum, we just lose touch of where, if I keep this momentum, where's, where am I leading in a few years? You know, where is this going to take me? So it's that sort of clarity in, in the direction and details of our lives. And again, a lot of this stems just to busyness and the, 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 um, the, the forces that are on us from being all on all the time and the demands of work. Wow, that is, that's a lot. Thank you very much. Now, since we know some of these traps and pitfalls, what can these executives, professionals, excuse me, executives and professionals do to better position themselves to design a successful career that is balanced and integrated with greater meaning and purpose and more overall fulfillment? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be a process, and some of these, you know, tra- if someone's in a, in a tough spot now or, you know, planning things, I mean, it, we, we don't get burned out overnight, and we don't necessarily reverse it overnight, but some of the things happen very quickly, um, and there's some major decisions that have to happen. And so from an individual perspective, th- there's some values-based decisions that have to happen, um, and the first one is we have to value ourselves. We have to know that we matter and that we have an impact in this world. And it's not just because of the decisions we made in the past. It's not just because of our circumstances now, but it's like we matter. And the second decision is we have to value our time. I mean, time is so crucial to everything. And in our busyness, we forget that tomorrow is never guaranteed. We can't always just put off till tomorrow. So we we have to have a better urgency around our time and value ourselves. So that, that's an immediate decision that can be made, but now we have to put it into practice so that we can design that career that's better balanced and has the fulfillment. One of the, one of the critical elements, the most critical element, is that we have to establish and enforce appropriate margin in our life. That sort of white space at home and at work where we can just be away from devices, we can be away from distractions, we can decompress, we can contemplate what's going on, why is it going on, um, what does the future look like, we can make a plan, we can design where we want it, where's the disconnect, where are the gaps between, why am I feeling discontent, why am I feeling this? Um, and then we can concentrate, we can actually, con- even if it's white space during the workday, I just came out of a meeting or I'm going into a meeting. I need 10 minutes to actually figure out an agenda or a lot just went on in that meeting. I'm not just going to go back to my desk and read emails. I'm just going to go in the conference room because I need to just digest what happens. And so we, we need these white spaces, the margins, because if we, if we get the, and it could be as little as 30 minutes a day, it could be a like, 10 minutes before and after a meeting, I'm not going meeting to meeting to meeting. I'm actually going to spend some time to figure out how to make it effective. It doesn't need a lot, but it has to be consistent. And that's really the first start to be able to master our lives and really put us in the driver's seat. Um, And, you know, it's so critical in this margin time. The second major piece is just awareness that we when I mentioned that we're losing touch tracking clarity, it's because we're, we're losing that, you know, self-awareness, we're losing that social awareness. And, you know, it's in this margin time where we can look at the opportunities, those gaps, and, you know, how do we lose, use 
all of our, you know, skills, talents, assets, gifts, and experiences in new and different contexts. You know, I'm doing this at the office. How can I do this somewhere else just to change the pace, to get some new experiences? Because the, our largest growth happens when we do new things or do things that we have down pat in new contexts. So that's what brings growth and greater fulfillment, discovering sort of, you know, more interests and passions and um, without taking this time, without taking the margin, the, the, the busyness will just rain. And the reality is right. for most and, and, and why, we're, dis- why we're, um, we're disengaged and why people are pivoting away is there's this false promise that just because we have skills and talents and went to school and have a very vibrant career or have a very vibrant business and it's good, there's nothing bad about that um, in and of itself, but our careers alone are, o- are not always going to double for our life purpose. And, and there is a larger point of view here, you, you know, what, what people are starving for that, yeah, I have skills and talents over here, but, you know, where are my passions? How could I leverage that? And so it's really in this margin time where all that, all that happens. And, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, initially we start, you know, in this margin time or when we, we talk to people about I'm feeling unfulfilled or I'm feeling a, a disconnect, um, feeling um, discontented, we start looking at the, well, what are you doing it? How are you doing it? And then we get into the whole series of why are you doing it, which is very good. The reality is why fall short? We really have to dive deeper into who we are because who we are, how we're wired, what the gifts are, that drives everything. That drives why we do things. That drives how we do them. That drives what we do. So it really starts with who. And the only way to do that is really through um, some self-awareness in our margin time and really having some different experiences and even doing what we know in new contexts. Wow, that is, and that is a lot to think about. Now, here's something you said very early on that jumped out at me is people go through their careers or their time at an organization and uh, the moments of discontent or the moments of disengagement or the moments of when they recognize that there's burnout, whatever you want to call it, often happens fairly suddenly. Did you, did I hear that correctly? Well, it, it could be, there can be a nagging. I mean, in my case, you know, I was on a, a pretty strong ascent and, you know, all I wanted to do was the next thing. I wanted the next job. I wanted the next promotion. I want, and that was my focus. That was my focus Saturday morning. That was my focus Sunday night. That was my focus. And, and all of a sudden when it wasn't, I, I didn't notice, I, I noticed that something was different and I noticed it was five and I wanted to leave. And so, you know, and if I didn't like, no, that's not my routine. I stayed till 630 and it didn't feel right. So it was, it, it was enough self-awareness to say something's not right here. And so it might've taken me a little bit longer to sort of, figure out, but it does happen. I mean, discontent just means something's, it's an internal clock it's, or internal vibe that just says something's not right. People can recognize, it, it probably happens right away, it does happen right away, whether we recognize it right away probably is a, is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, because uh, I know for some folks it does happen quite suddenly. Uh, I, As I've said before on other episodes, I 
finished my MBA program in 2002, and then I did the you know networking, interviews, portfolio, all that stuff. I got um, I uh, found uh, two companies that actually were not even really officially hiring, but were offering to create positions for me. What I ended up doing instead was doing some work with um, a colleague of mine who owned a training and development firm uh, as a lead into starting my own business. So here we are, we're you know, 2003, 2004, and I didn't know then what I know now about uh, creating a business and getting going quickly. So looking back retrospectively, I basically just sat there for two years. Oh, well, lesson learned. Uh, at, I, at the time, I was going through what I thought had to be this two-year process of uh, getting the client so you can make the jump into full-time entrepreneurship and getting to the point where then you can make the jump so you can, now you can go chase the clients. Now, today I know that I could have just borrowed $3,000 and done it like the next day, but whatever. And uh, But given the situation I was in, for two years almost, I kind of wavered back and forth. Do I want to continue to climb with this company I'm working at? Do I want to go ahead and just go full-time with the entrepreneurial venture? And then on November 19th, 2004, um, something happened in the workplace that day that made me recognize that everything that I had seen about that company was really just a house of cards. And uh, let's just say uh, it made up my mind right then and there, although it took me another eight months to get around to writing uh, those words on that piece of paper that I would hand in <laughs> that say, I quit. So <laughs> in my case, it was a pretty, uh, you know, it was a catalytic event, but I do remember that, that last eight months or so, man, I had this haze over me. It's like, you know, I, you know, they went out of my, their way that day to let me know that they really don't even appreciate me as a human being, much less an employee. So um, I have a job description and I'm following it. And you know what? My real emphasis is on getting to the point of starting this business. Now, it was challenging for me to work on getting a business off the ground so I could live off it at the same time that I was feeling the burnout at work. Have you ever run into that before? Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's, I mean, in some cases, it's a little bit refreshing if it's on your terms and you have control. So, again, people can go through harvest seasons of we're all in. It's different if it's the harvest season that never ends, and it's different if there's sort of the command and control style. Um, it's different if you don't feel appreciated because, I mean, as humans, we can go through a lot for a long time, and it's just a matter of putting it in perspective. Like, is it serving a purpose? What purpose is that serving? It's going to get me from here to there. We can go through a lot. Again, like, you know, we go through as physicians, go through residency, you know, you study for the bar exam if you're a attorney. Like there's seasons of, wow, this next six months is going to be horrid, but it's going to lead to something. And, you know, starting a business is like that. It's, it's that control piece that I, I think it is important for a lot. If you're calling the shots, then it makes a difference. If somebody is calling the shot on you um, and it's, it's really, it's, it's less informed leadership, that can lead to a lot of frustration, which can lead to burnout much quicker. Yeah, so that is something to think about. Uh, now, in and I can't believe we're almost two-thirds of the way through this already. This is going fast. We're having a lot of fun here, and we are exploring some incredible information. Inside the book, Reversing Burnout, you talk about something called the impact process, I-M-P-A-C-T. So uh, what is that, and how can, organizational user, excuse me, how can organizational leaders use it to better understand the elements that will help their employees reverse burnout 
and thrive again in the workplace. Right. Well, the impact process is, you know, it's sort of the acronym because people want to have impact. I want to have impact on the job. I want to have impact outside the office. And impact is, is important. It, it, we, we all want it today. Um, we all want it. We've always wanted to have an impact. We want things to matter. And really what it is, is it's a culmination of the process that I, when I went back through my precipitous decline of interest in my, my old career and really trying to dissect what was happening, why it was happening. Again, this was over the course of many years. Um, I looked and said, what, what, would have, what could have been in place that would have stopped me from my decline, would have kept up my interest, would have kept up my engagement, whereas I would still be in my former career and with my former firm. And so that process really, and it's the blueprint that I share in the book, um, and it really, so each of the, the, uh, the letters of impact have a part of this process. And so there's this inventory piece followed by uh, mission, followed by a plan, authenticity, capacity, and trigger. And so just in a, in a general sense, you know, the, the first thing is just taking inventory, you know, with, as it relates to our firm, you know, what, what's our present situation look like? Um, you know, do we have any burnout? Do we have disengagement? You know, what, what is that situation? Do we have any gaps? Um, what, what's our positioning in the marketplace? You know, are we having a hard time attracting people? Um, and so it's really, it's taking that inventory. The next piece is really it's, it's understanding, you know, our mission, you know, what what will make us attractive, you know, to not just the clients, but to the top talent that's out there so we can attract, retain and grow and inspire that top talent. And so it's a little bit mission, vision, value statement, but it's beyond because that could be outdated. It's really what's going to be relevant today. Uh, the planning piece, you know, I, I get excited about because I'm a designer and I love to plan things. And um, yeah. but that's really it's it's setting up and aligning goals and interests of passion passions of the firm. Like what what difference are we making in our industry? Uh, it, what do we want to make in our community? You know, as far as our products and services, um, and with our st- where is our staff today? Where are they aligned? Are they in a you know, are they looking to make a name? Are they in the leaving a legacy phase? You know, what season are they in and how do we align those interests? How do we align so we can have some co-learning, co-creation, co-branding, co-impacting? Because we want to be able to increase that buying and ownership. I mean, that's the engagement. Um, and if we need to redesign the workplace to um, be able to minimize some of those frustrations. Well, that plan can can get into that process as far as the work, the workflow, the work environment. Um, and then how do we maximize some of the positive? You know, do how do we get out and engage and learn how to collaborate and, and meet people in new ways? The the boss and the entry level can now work in a new circumstance. And you know, some of the techniques that top organizations and um, top leaders are using today is is through some external impact. You know, they're going out and they're doing a community service project or they're all volunteering together somewhere um, and they're really bringing together themselves. They're breaking down those barriers. They're having some impact in their community. Um, There's some great, if it's authentic, it's that marketing and branding around that. And so really it's sort of what, what are those internal and external opportunities where staff grows, staff develops, but we're able to, to do things in a new way. Um, and so that's sort of part of the planning. But then we move into sort of the, the get real part, the, the second half 
of the impact process, that authenticity, capacity, um, and, and, and trigger. And really it's that, that authenticity is, you know, do we as an organization and as a leadership team, are, are we able to pull this off credibly? You know, are, are we authentic in our motivations? Are we authentic in creating a great experience, you know, for, for our staff? And, and sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of a side process to really understand where people are individually because, you know, the leaders get burned out too. And, and sometimes that's actually a more difficult situation because they're providing payroll. You know, it's, it's their name on the door. It's everything that they do. They have family counting on them. It's stressful. And, and one of the realities, and, you know, there can be some negative connotations sometimes where the leaders just don't get it. They don't get it. But you know what? They are also suffering from a lot of these traps, too. They're suffering from losing touch, losing track, losing clarity. And the one difference with, with, um, with owners and leaders is it's lonely at the top. Um, there's not a lot of peer support, um, and there's a lot of burdens. And so sometimes it's, you know, there's burnout in the organization because there's burnout with the leaders. And so the leaders need to go through a little bit of a process, um, you know, their, their own sort of check the burnout um, and address that so that they can come back and be able to leverage you know, the impact process for their organization and have true authenticity. So that, that's why this is a, such a critical piece because what a leadership team doesn't want to do is move forward with something and not have the authenticity to pull off because trust and authenticity is just so important today. Um, the next piece is the capacity, and that's just as important. You don't want to start something you can't finish. Um, and so we really have to look throughout the organization and um, – it is part of the design. We might have a design to do some pretty incredible things, but, you know, what's our capacity to really pull them off? And it's really going to be during this part of the process to say, you know what, let's start really small. We, we have a vision, but let's start small so that we can, we can actually have the capacity to pull it off, get a win, and then start building some momentum. So it's really, it's, it's not getting too carried away with, we want to do this, this, and this, if we really haven't changed if we haven't adjusted our capacity, we're not going to change the reality. And sometimes you can make matters worse if we can't follow through with, with what we um, had said we want to do and planned it. So in the last piece of that is, is trigger. And that's really, it's establishing that framework um, to have the courage to pull the trigger and actually realize the benefits. And so we do need to think back and say, do we have the authenticity? Are people going to think this is just a marketing and branding thing? Are people yeah, okay, you're going to volunteer me what to do. I mean, you can't volunteer people. Like, it, we really have to create some capacity within the workday if we're going to go do something because people are already tapped out. And so it's really kind of working through. And then when we have it all lined up, because even the perfect plan up to this point, and we have the authenticity and the capacity, the reality is to really thrive in the, our new environment, it's changing conventional thinking. It's not the status quo. It's not what we learned from, you know, when we became leaders, you know, over the last 10, 20 years, we learned from people who became leaders 10 and 25 years before, and that's a little bit more industrial error, conventional thinking. We're breaking that mold. And so it's courage. And so it's really, it's, you know, figuring out how do we pull the trigger to get the benefits? Because if we don't really pull the trigger on taking action, you know, we're not going to see the results. 
And so that's just a little bit of that process, you know, um, and, you know, the process in and of itself, I mean, there's no quick solutions, but going through the process, there can be fast results. Again, if it's well-planned and there is that authenticity, capacity, and the courage to move forward. Wow. <laughs> that is um, that is quite something. Now, you mentioned that there are challenges when you have uh, burnout happening within leadership. Uh, I want to look at this from a different way as well. And uh, what kind of leadership is necessary to achieve some of these outcomes you just spoke with us about and set the stage for greater growth and success? Uh, I remember myself when I had feelings of burnout. Uh, I think part of what catalyzed or at least facilitated those feelings, looking back retrospectively, is I looked to leadership and I found it lacking. Right. I mean, there, there, I mean, what, one way to answer this question is really just go through uh, several pieces of, of the kind of leadership that does not work today. Um, right. And that really is the kind that is just it's trapped in the status quo, some of this industrial era conventional thinking. It just doesn't work today. It's not especially in the service sector and some of the professional sectors. I mean, it doesn't work. We're not making widgets anymore and we're dealing with people. And as much as technology and society has changed, the human hasn't. We're still the same and we still have the same needs. We've just ignored them for so long. So to be trapped in an old thinking of, hey, it's eight to five, so I'm going to do this eight to, no one has an eight to five anymore. No one even has a lunch anymore, you know? So right. it's like you, you, we're thinking in the way we're punching a clock, we're, we're showing up at at seven and leaving at three, we're showing up at eight and leaving at, at five. And, you know, we've got lunch and, and we're just punching and punching out. But nobody stops anymore. I mean, we're checking emails at 1030 at night. We're set, so to, to manage and lead in the way of the past when everything has changed just is not going to work. Um, and so in that sense, too, like just leadership styles, the command and control, that's not working either. And, you know, I, a company, I remember being at a conference or something. I, I remember it, it just resonated with me. It was rules without relationship is equal rebellion. And I was like, I get that. And in relationship, I mean, a command and control structure is the rules. You must get this done. You, do, you know, but if there's no relationship and that's what's craved today, it's, it's that relationship with people. Number one reason people leave firms and businesses, the relationship with their supervisor. So command and control just doesn't work because the relationship's not there. And so if they have the rules, it's just people are going to pivot away and, you know, turn that great career into just a job. Um, you know, the next sort of characteristic of leaders that, that just doesn't work today is, is the constant short-term thinkers. It's the it's all about the 100-day plan. It's all about this project. It's all about this quarter. It's all about this year. Um, you know, that just grows old. Um, again, every season can't be a harvest season. It doesn't happen in nature, and it's not going to happen with natural human beings in the office today. Um, and so we just can't be in that constant harvest season. Another sort of that short-term thinking and just being trapped, you know, sort of in the project and is that mentality that everyone's replaceable. You know, that really just undermines, you know, that mentality, it undermines loyalty and trust it really undercounts or it doesn't count or it really underestimates the cost of turnover. It, not everybody is replaceable. It, you might have to deal with it, but it's not. And so the mentality right. of we'll just find another, that really undermines culture over the long term. 
And again, it just, it's, I might be here now, but I just saw how you dealt with Mary. I just saw how you dealt with John. As soon as I get my chance, I'm out of here. It's that sort of thinking. Yep. Um, and the last sort of piece that doesn't work today is just the, you know, the, 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 the boss that's too busy and too self-focused. You know, I mean, the days of I'm here to enrich, enrich the boss's kingdom, that just doesn't inspire anyone these days. Um, True. On the flip side, you know, it's really, you know, what does work today is that authenticity. You know, the true servant leader who's humble, confident, focused on growing and inspiring the talent, flexible, but at the same time, wanting the talent to excel and, and being able to define the job and present the job and create the circumstances for the job that allows the top talent to excel because we do want to excel. We just don't want to do it at the expense of everything. And so it's really, it's that, that leader with the authenticity and the high levels of self-awareness and social awareness. The second piece after the, being authentic is, and it's sort of related, but it's caring. And it's, it's, it's caring enough to not just tell me what to do, but coach me through it. Knowing that, you know, top talent today wants to win at work and win at life. Help me manage it. Help me manage. I want to get a promotion. Don't just tell me I have to do this. Help me walk through it. And so people want that relationship. They want that coaching. They, they want to feel like their leaders are sort of responding to the original mandate of leadership, which wasn't shareholder returns. It was shepherding the flock. It's really, it's growing and inspiring people to, to reach their maximum potential. And so um, in that sense, you know, organizations and leaders who provide that flexibility and schedule um, and even that flexibility in being able to develop a brand and platform for their own sense of security that will build great loyalty um, today and you know leaders that um, the opposite of short-term thinking is to look at a 50-year time horizon that um, yeah. I'm getting someone new out of school why would I burn them out in five to 10 years when I could, if I do my job correctly, if I can grow and inspire them, they could be here for 20, 30, 50 years, you know, and that's on me. But at the same time, the, the best leaders today um, understand that it's probably unlikely that they're going to stay forever in the organization. Um, but what will get them to stay longer is to just maximize that value of the relationship Treat them like a, a coveted donor or a supporter to a nonprofit. You, you're, you're not renting right. them, but you're, you're, provi you're providing enough value so that they want to continue to, to, to donate their time. I mean, instead of buying their time, it's like they're, they're donating their skills, talents, assets, and gifts and experiences for you. And it's, it's a little bit of a mindset shift, but it's a smart yeah. and very strategic one because what, what that leader is doing is creating an ambassador. So that whether that employee yeah. is in the firm or whether they leave, th that review that could be less than great is not on Glassdoor. And, in fact, they might be working at another firm or another organization, and they might refer someone back to that leader, back to the organization they used to be. It wasn't a fit for them for the season, but their friend sure. it is now. And so there's that sort of ambassador role that even if they're not in your organization, you still want them to be an ambassador to you. And it's that whole networking thing. So th that's some of the leadership that really works today and builds loyalty. Again, and it yeah. could be the boomerang. I'm coming back. 
you know, I'm going to try yep. it over here because, and, and so those are the leaders that are making it today. Those are the organizations that's had flexibility. Um, and again, if, if inflexibility is becoming less relevant today, I mean, people, it's not relevant exactly. to the top talent and they're pivoting away. Yep. Yep, that's very true. And uh, I have a whole bunch of counter don't do this type examples from leadership, and I'd love to share them. But we have four minutes left. This is really flying by. So what I'd like to do is just real quick, one final question. Uh, let's just spend one minute on this. What is the answer to reversing burnout with engaging top talent and growing as a professional in your career? All right. Well, I mean, we, we've already covered the subject, so this is going to be we, the, the, for an individual perspective, it's that valuing themselves and valuing their time. That's the yeah. first step. And then, you know, in, in my book, I talk about this process of R&R 2.0, that if somebody is burnt out, it's not rest and relaxation. It's not a long weekend away. That's not going to resolve burnout. That's not going to reverse burnout. It's really this process of restoration and rediscovery um, coupled with retargeting and revitalization. So that, that's just a process. It's, it's similar to the impact process, but on a much more individual level, um, impact for organizations. Yeah. But really, it, it creates an immediate impact, and it creates those small steps so that the, the transformation can happen. We can kind of work through growing and evolving, but there's growth involved, which is what reverses burnout. And, again, it's similar to the organizations with the impact process because just going through that process and pulling the trigger – just sends the message, leaders send the message that they recognize the realities of today, they care, they want to create a better future, advance the sort of aligned growth opportunities, and that immediately engages. We don't need the results right away, but the fact that someone cares yeah. enough and went through this process, that's the engagement, and that's what starts to reverse the burnout. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, you know, you mentioned your book, Reversing Burnout, and actually that book comes out today. Uh, so it tell does. us how I'm our listeners excited. get get their hands on that book. Well, uh, reversingburnoutbook.com um, is our, our site for the book, and um, I am just super excited about it. Um, we had an advanced copy went out to a number of people for reviews. The, the praise for the book from people across industries and across the United States, different seasons of life was just phenomenal. So I'm just I'm just excited. Um, I'm just excited to launch the book. It's been a great project for six months. Uh, well, it's been seven years, but then we're actually writing it six months. But, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm super thrilled for it. So thank you for letting me talk yep. about the book. Oh, I know all about the, uh, the seven-month process and the seven-year process. I'm in the process of uh, getting my book ready for launch in February of 2018. So you and me, brother. So uh, just for our listeners, please pick up your copy of Peter Atherton's book, it's called Reversing Burnout, and the website is easy to remember, reversingburnoutbook.com. That's reversingburnoutbook.com. Go over there, grab your copy. You're going to love it. And Peter Atherton of Actions Prove, I want to thank you so much for taking time to spend with us today. It's been an honor and quite an education. Well, it's mutual. Thank you so much. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on networks like iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>